Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good Black Friday morning, everyone. We made it. We made it. Uh, Doug Farrar, NFL editor of uh, Touchdown Wire and the USA Today Sports Media Group, along with Mark Schofield, our five-two guy, as always. Mark, you're a sicko. You're already up doing uh, three throws with Josh Allen. Yeah, I, I was up bright and early. I was Got on all uh, 22, and you're going for it. Yeah, I was on uh, Brett Mossberger's uh, VSIN early in the morning. Uh, did the three throws. Might do some blogging the boys' Dak watch. Um, the content does does not stop. I will. I will say that. more importantly. You successfully manufactured the dessert phenomena of our time. The the Reese's peanut butter cup pie. It actually turned out so well that there was we had um, the desserts we had were ridiculous. We we had three packs of the gingerbread Oreos, which are also fantastic. We had a a pumpkin chiffon cheesecake that my brother in law brought, as well as a pecan pie from this like patisserie in Northwest Washington D.C. Um, we also had like brownies. Two kinds of cookies. Um, we had also made an apple cranberry crumble. And yes, the peanut butter cup pie. And so there were only nine of us, seven adults. And we had all of that for dessert. So when I say that there was one slice of the peanut butter cup pie left by the time dessert was done, that should probably mean something. It actually came out really well. Um, so it was so, number one in dessert DVOAs. Yeah, it's it's dessert one. It was dessert one yesterday. And people have already requested it for, for Christmas and future holidays, which is nice. And I will also say, I was telling you this beforehand. I, I have a new tip. I know we did Thanksgiving tips mm-hmm. on Wednesday's show, but I have a new one. Okay. Make the gravy the night before. Make the gravy the night before. You get stick of butter, onion, saute it, melt the butter all together in a saucepan for about five minutes. Then you dump in the flour, thicken it a bit. And then, you know, all the chicken stock, like four or five cups, you know, keep it all together, let it thicken a little bit, you know, thicken it to your, to your desire and with the flour and stuff, let it cool, put it in the fridge overnight. Because when you try to make the gravy day of, I have found that is where their mistakes happen. A couple of years ago, we forgot to make it. A few years later. How do you forget I, to make gravy? We just forgot. We were running around doing 18 different million things and we, we just forgot. And so that as I've done that's a coaching, lessons, that's coaching malpractice. Yeah, I mean, it's it's clearly on me. I, I mean, I can't blame the people in the headset on that one, but I'm like slicing the I'm carving up the turkey and I'm just like, we forgot the gravy. So you scramble in there. Another year I had like put it in the, the like separator to like separate out the fat and I poured the drippings out. I kept the fat like we've had epic breakdowns. When it comes to the gravy. So I made it the night before and then you reheat it on the stove as you're like finalizing everything. Then you add the drippings in the giblet stock, like whatever, however, however you want to do it. It's fantastic. It's stress-free. It was a stress-free operation here. And so kids make the gravy the night before. Run errands. You can dress it up if you want. to. That's uh, that's really cool. Yeah. So that's my little bit of advice kids, but, but we forge on we forge on. Gotta keep them separated. That's all I'm saying. There we go. You gotta keep them separated. There we go. Uh yeah. So 
Thanksgiving games. Uh, real quick before we get into this is the week 12, the rest of the week 12 NFL preview podcast. Uh, now that we're done, we need to do a cooking pod. Just yeah, we need to do a cooking pod. Who else can take the chicken? <laughs> Uh, Thanksgiving days, Bears at Lions. This game started with the Lions winning the coin toss and deferring. Then the Bears tried to defer, were told they couldn't, and took the ball. Uh, you think, well, that pretty much sums it up. The Lions had two different third and 32 situations yeah. in this game. Which, which apparently Trey Wingo went back at, at least to 1978, uh, yep. has never happened. And they almost yep. won the game anyway. Um, although they called an illegal timeout because you can't call a second timeout after a first timeout without running a play, which you can see the ref explaining to Dan Campbell. And Dan Campbell's like, oh, well, geez. To be fair, Joe Gibbs did that in his return. Oh. He tried to, do you remember this? He tried yeah. to ice the kicker twice. Yes. And he gave, it was like a penalty and like made it just a much easier field goal. So Dan Campbell, Hall of Fame coach Joe Gibbs. There you go. Uh, so the reason they did that was because half of the defense was in a different check than the other half. Um, that whole thing set up the game winning field goal. Uh, the offense is now even worse when Dan Campbell is calling the plays, which he's never done before than when Anthony Lynn was calling the plays. So here's my, uh, kind of hypothetical essay question of the day. What if Dan Campbell is Mike Singletary, the coach, not the player, obviously. I saw you tweet that. All this tough guy stuff. Players play hard for him for a while. Then the situational awareness creeps in he hasn't done anything like sending vernon davis to his room yet but it's I, weird it, be it, a couple of weeks away from can't win with them can't coach with them can't do it i don't know it's this weird juxtaposition because like say six because weeks as bad ago, as this team is from a roster perspective they're unwatchable on the field yeah it's just abysmal six weeks ago there was this weird discussion taking shape that like you know Dan Campbell, testosterone-fueled Ted Lasso that he is. He's got his guys playing for him. And then Philadelphia, you've got a guy, Nick Sirianni, that seems over his head. He's using these silly metaphors about planted seeds and fertilizer, and he's wearing T-shirts and showing the guys videos of their college rivalry games before playing Dallas and getting blown out. And it's like is going to lose that locker room. Campbell, these guys are going to fight for him week in and week out. Uh, we, we said it. We and that script has flipped, my friend. Because mm. well, now it's looking like was later, both sides of the ball. Whoa. Yeah, now but now it looks like Campbell's the guy that might be in danger here. And Sirianni has his guys buying in; they believe in him. A lot of those players I talked about it, like Stoll and others, said that look, the stuff he was telling us during the two and five start was the reason we believed. Like everything he said, there was a reason behind it. And he's the one that kept us going when it looked like we were just going to see the season go away. And so interested to see how that little script has flipped. Well, the difference is um, whatever Dan Campbell has said hasn't really come to pass. I mean, they're not, you know, we're playing hard. We're, it's, it's, that, start, that starts to fade away after a while. And the players discover that you don't really have a plan. Yeah. That, that catches up to you. Caught to Singletary. Yeah, Sirianni and Jonathan Gannon, um, and we'll get into this later in the pod. You know, this is why you preach patience with, because they just the whole coaching staff knew. Yep, yep. You got to wait for that to, to take effect, um, and they've got this sort of Ravens esque passing slash running game, and the defense is doing some really interesting stuff with combo coverage. Yeah. Um, but the results on the field bear out what the coaches are saying. 
And that's how you don't lose the locker. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, and I don't care who you are. I, I would say that in Pete Carroll's case right now, he's got a lot of problems with this because he's, you know, eternal optimist, yada, yada, yada. It's the stuff on the field. Joe Mont, I got to watch tape of Joe Montana earlier this year, and he told me, you know, Bill Walsh would draw things up and we would do these things in practice. And be like the whole team would be like, this will never effing work. And then we get into the game and it would work exactly like Bill said. And eventually we learned pretty quickly that when Bill said it, okay, cool. All right. So, you know, the, the Ted Lasso stuff, that's great for about, you know, six, seven weeks. Then the players realize, Oh crap, we're yeah. in trouble. We, we yeah. don't have a, a clue what's going on here. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> So there's that. And if you're the Bears, are you happy that you won with Matt Nagy? I don't know. Nah, I mean, I, I, not that I it, I, I, we've said before, the Bears have never fired. Yeah, it, it's still, an, it's a January thing matter. anyway. Like Nagy's, yeah. he's not coming. I, I would be flabbergasted. I mean, it's an eat the tweet moment if, if Nagy comes back for next year. Yeah. Raiders and Cowboys, this was the best game of the day that was marred by the worst officiating I've seen in a very long time. We're just going to have to live with this. Yeah. Bills at Saints. I'm not surprised at a shorthanded Saints offense with Trevor Simeon at quarterback had issues against Buffalo's defense. Saints have lost four straight games. That's just something they're going to have to deal with. Um, yeah. I'm like, well, Taysom Hill, mystery. Uh, Foot injury, emergency quarterback situation, which was yeah. interesting. Well, apparently now you have to show your foot to prove a foot injury. Yeah, interesting I didn't how foot, that works. So, um, and, and you did the three throws on Josh Allen. So I want to get your take on this. The, the last two games, losses to the Eagles and the Bills, they lost four straight, so obviously. Um, their defense, I mean, they're still doing some interesting things with pressure, mostly on third down. Does the coverage with the Saints look more passive, less, I don't want to say vanilla, but less varied? It's almost like they're backing off for some reason. Yeah, I mean, you did see – you know, we watching that game this morning. They're like still a lot spinning of safety coverage. and stuff like that. No. Yeah, I mean, they're spinning at the snap and like, like that. Vanilla, vanilla, third down crazy. Yeah, yeah. You, you're seeing a lot of good, like, bigger cushions pre-snap. You're seeing a lot of keep stuff in front of you. Um, yeah, they'll spin the safeties. Like, they had one play. It's an overload look, and they end up dropping off of it. But they brought – there was the back shoulder throw to Sanders before halftime. They show the overload look. So you have the tight end knocks and a stiffer alignment. You bring the back in who was outside the formation to block as well. Everybody drops. And now you're playing three versus eight. Um, so that was an interesting, interesting design by New Orleans. And they got what they wanted. But then Allen makes a ridiculous back shoulder throw. And it's like, well, you can't defend that. So, yeah. you know, I mean, they're, they're trying. It's a bit more exotic on third downs than they are on first and second down. I, I think they might want to think about being a bit more exotic on first and second down. Um, because the Bills play every down like it's third <laughs> yeah they play every down like it's third and four i mean that's how yeah. they that's how they approach that's, it so yeah that's the whole offense yeah they're making the plane out of the black box yeah. um we'll see how that works against the patriots as yeah I, I mean i think as i said I, before we started they have an you know a long week to somehow merge ed oliver and mario addison and like a frankenstein together to have one good run defender um yeah and yes. like we talked about on wednesday this is a good win for them but they have to worry about two games against New England, Carolina, and Tampa Bay. Right? Like those are games that could give them serious trouble, I think. Yep. 
Uh, the buys this week, Chiefs and Cardinals. And this week, there are nine matchups with teams at 500 or better, which I believe is an NFL record going back to at least 1970. Uh, so here we, well, I would imagine before 1970 because you had a lot fewer teams. Yeah. So, duh. Here we go. Steelers at Bengals. Steelers lost to the Chargers in a very Chargers fashion. They were down 27 to 10 in the third quarter. They roar back to take a 37 to 34 lead with 324 left. Chris Boswell hits that 45-yard field goal. Then they give up the Justin Herbert 53-yard touchdown pass to Mike Williams with a little over two minutes left in the game. Then Pittsburgh responds on offense by taking a sack, taking another sack, an incomplete pass, a delay of game penalty, and another incomplete pass on fourth and 32. Top that, Lions. Patrick offensive line, defense depleted by injuries. I'm not, you know, when when Mink is out, your whole back. Yeah. Your secondary just, you know, falls apart. TJ Watt, obviously. Cameron Hayward, I mean, the guy was just exhausted by carrying that defense all by himself. This team looks quite vulnerable. Yeah, I mean, they, they might be getting a little bit healthier. I mean, Watt practiced, Hayden practiced, Fitzpatrick is back. I mean, the defense might be getting healthier. But, yeah, this is a Steelers team that looks vulnerable. I mean, and and we've talked a lot about Roethlisberger and – you know, you you see the NFL account tweet out like, oh, you know, Ben's throwing dimes, still has the rocket, and it's a wide open vertical route that gets underthrown, and the receiver has to like almost fair catch it. Like, we're back with the concerns I think about Ben here late in the season, and so yeah, it's never good when the video of a deep pass is forty five seconds because that's how long it takes the ball to get. Yeah, <laughs> and it ends up it, it it ends up as a catch with like no yardage after the catch. Like, yeah. mm. um. Somebody has to win the AFC North. I mean, I, I I can make it better. I mean, I think the easier cases are Cleveland because of their offensive line bull or anything else, and Baltimore because they have the best quarterback in the division. Um, Who will be but, back from this game, by the way. Yeah, and so, I, I mean, I, I think those are probably your two teams. Cincinnati's interesting, and, you know, we, Burrow can do some things, I think, against this defense, but I, I, I've, I just don't trust Pittsburgh right now. It's as simple as that. Is the Bengals passing offense getting more reductive of late? Yeah, I think so. And we've talked about it a little bit. Um, you know, it's had this weird ebb and flow to it this season. Cause I remember at the start of the year, we were like, what are they doing offensively? It's just like weird ISO route concepts where they're just trusting guys or asking guys to win right away. And they're not doing it yet. But then it sort of morphed mid season where it was like, man, they're doing some creative stuff with some half field concepts they're finding ways to get chase isolated in favorable situations. They're involving CJU um, and a lot of the stuff that they're doing the, you know, the win against Baltimore was pretty impressive because of the way they handled the Baltimore pressure schemes out of empty formations and things like that. But then in recent weeks, it's kind of flipped back to where it was at the start of the season. So I'm curious, you know, they had a buy, like how are they going to come out of that? Like, are they, potentially this year's team that has the bye week figure stuff out and gets better down the stretch. It has not been good downfield. No. At all. I mean, no. you look at the charts, it's in it, the tape matches and scads of incompletions downfield. So I don't know if it's, if it's reductive because they're something's off, they're worried about protection. Obviously, you know, they live the league in three-step drops um, before and after Burrow got hurt last year. Right. Uh, the protection is better, but you have to wonder about that too. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> I will say they're playing, I mentioned this on Wednesday, they're playing a Wouzier, and the, the whole defense is a bit more aggressive, which is nice. Um, yep. They had that two-week stretch where it wasn't. And then we have to go with why Why is Joe Lombardi treating Justin Herbert as if he is Ben Roethlisberger, um, which I don't know how much we can, how much more we can say about that. I don't, right. They're, they're wasting one of the five best arms in the NFL um, on Dink and Duck. And that's great when Austin Eckler, you know, turns into Marshall Falk, which he can do at times. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Again, like, like we mentioned earlier, his breakout, you know, huge game against the Steelers on Sunday night, his average depth of target was still 5.7, which was bottom third of the league last week. So. Uh, Buccaneers at Colts looking up. Uh, I think Vita Vea might go, uh, which would be nice. Quentin Nelson might not. So that, that edges it in, you know, at least somewhat favorable for the Buccaneers. Uh, Tampa Bay's run split run defense splits with and without Bea are hilarious over the last two years. Yeah. <laughs> Basically they can play defense when he's on the field. They can't when, and um, we mentioned this on the Wednesday pod, the way the Colts blocked up the run game for Jonathan Taylor was yeah. astonishing. Um, yeah. That crunch concept again, we mentioned it, but in case you didn't uh, listen, you have Quinton Nelson on a quick trap and then you have Doyle in the wing who's also wham blocking. So you basically let these two guys flow in this way and you run behind them. And it's just, they ran in, I think 4,352 times against the bills. I'm, my math might be off on that. That is, I believe statistically correct. Um, I, so. I was at, I was at Jack Doyle's senior bowl. I remember being impressed by him, and, but I didn't, I mean, he was like super gronk in this game. Just yeah. destroying everybody. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Buccaneers are more interesting and multiple in their run game with receiver sweeps and whatnot, kind of like the Bills the week before. It, it, I mean, were they beating up on the Giants, or is this another case of like last year down the stretch, they kind of figured it out? And maybe this is what you know, Uncle Bruce and Tom just do. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I do think a lot of it last week was beating up on the Giants because that's a team that is a mess right now. Um, but of course, they fired Jason Garrett, so now it's all fixed. <laughs> right? Yeah, because that's that's that was the whole problem. Speaking, um, of, head, speaking of head coaches, were in over their heads. Yeah, um, I know. I I think, but there also could be something to it where Brady and and Arians and Leftwich, like like many other good organizations and teams, they figure out okay, these are the fifteen things we do well. Okay, we're at this point of the season. It's Thanksgiving. These are the 15 concepts we're thankful for. This is what we're going to hang our hat on down the stretch. And so I do think that there's some of that at play. So it's a little bit last year. They had the bot. They got just, they had, they lost the the Saints, the Chiefs, the bye. And I and everybody else under the sun wrote, here's all the problems with the Kansas city, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense. And they come out and they just won everything, every game after that. And they figured it out. And you know, a lot of it was from Brady's own talent. He wasn't quite familiar with the offense. Like even that point of the season, he wasn't quite familiar with terminology and things like that. Um, but it was also the hot reads and how the hot reads worked in that system. You know, areas is very different where your hot read might be just throwing a backside shallow rather than, you know, a pop read or, you know, a quick throw or something like that, which he was used to doing with Gronk. And there were examples of him sort of looking that way on a hot read play when, that's all you're supposed to do now. So like that was a process that they were figuring out this year. It's more, okay. These are the concepts now that we're good at now. Let's keep running these. And I do think Washington did some things that he wasn't expecting. And that's always the thing with Brady. Like if you do the unexpected, even if it's, you're making a mistake, 
because he expects you to do something right. That's when you get him sort of confused. Like there were plays against Washington where the backside seam from Mike Evans was wide open because he's expecting the slot defender, in this case, Landon Collins, to carry that. Collins wasn't. But if you're doing something unexpected, Brady's going to expect you to do what you're supposed to do. And if he's missing opportunities because you're doing something wrong, you almost get away with it. More too high zone when, you know, Brady's – well, they're supposed to be playing more bad man coverage. What is this? Yeah. Yeah. Tampa Bay at 7-3, and three, leading the NFC South. Uh, Indianapolis at 6-5. and five. Uh, Two games behind the Titans, although that gap could cl- close pretty quickly. That, that might get closed Tennessee's offense is a hurry. Tennessee's offense is a dog show. We're going to get into yeah. that in a um, and not in a good way. Because uh, we always like dog shows because dogs are awesome. Yep. Uh, Panthers at Dolphins. We mentioned the Cam Newton touchdown pass to DJ Moore that completely, like, to the letter. Uh, running back motion to quads, draw action from the quarterback, glance route, boom. Uh, exactly what Joe Brady ran at LSU against Alabama in 2019. Um, you watch the sort of RPO run concepts with Cam. You watch how he's hitting open receivers in time, and it makes you think that Joe Brady and Matt Rule are like, hey, we finally have a guy who can run everything we want to run. Yeah. It's really interesting. Uh, Carolina's defense, I don't know, but – um, and I don't know how much the Dolphins can exploit that. Right. But that offense is something to I, I don't know if it makes the Panthers a playoff team because their defense is massive. They will look like the 85 Bears one week and just awful the next, I, which is, you know, young team are kind of putting it together. But that Panthers offense is. I, it's kind of like what I hoped New England's offense would be with him last year. Yeah. And in a weird way, it's kind of what you thought Joe Brady would be doing with Darnold, and maybe it's just a further indictment. on What Joe Brady Darnold. did with Darnold early, he had five touchdown runs in the first month of the season, and then it just yeah. What? I mean, I was thinking more about the pass game stuff. Yeah, it's like well, you know, the motion to the four by one RPO, the Jello, and all that stuff. Like, it's probably just a further indictment on. Okay, well, all the Adam Gase takes and tweets and jokes that we fired off early in the season, like maybe we should put those away for a while because maybe this is. Who Sam Darnold is? He's, well, because he's every other player got better when they left Adam Gase, so right? We can still do that, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you're seeing a bit more of an explosive passing game at least last week against Washington, even though they lost. And so, does it get them into the playoffs? Maybe not, but it makes this offense dangerous. And you know, you start talking about teams you don't want to face down the stretch. If you're a playoff bubble team, Carolina might be that because it can't. Speaking of teams you don't want to face down the stretch, <laughs> Titans at Patriots. Oh boy. Titans lost to the Texans last Sunday. Ryan Tannehill threw four interceptions, and you know this better than I do. You have to watch all four interceptions to get context. Is it a quarterback problem? Is it a, is he facing a defense and you just can't quite figure out? Or there's there is a Brad Johnson game when he was at the Cowboys that he threw three or four picks, and every one of them was like a dime that the receiver dropped. Yeah. Oh, Brad Johnson sucks. Well, no, he didn't. He was like throwing perfect balls, and his receivers couldn't catch him. So. That was the game where I learned it was like it was a long time ago. Um, Brad Johnson, uh, you have to watch the interceptions, you can't box score scout. So I went back, I first pick, he just missed a dropping linebacker really like day one high school install. He didn't see it. Uh, let's see, second one, he threw late into double coverage from a clean pocket, just a terrible read. Third, he locks onto his backside ISO read and was going to throw that. Whether or not there were open receivers to his front side out of trips, which there were, I mean, he was just like, that's it. This is where I'm going. 
And then the, the final one, he completely missed the cornerbacks flying in the weeds, reading three to two. Um, and Lovey Smith is not what I would call a modern defensive coordinator, but he will throw some subtleties at you in the, the cover two, Tampa two, whatever he just is going to do, no matter what. And Tannehill couldn't pick him up. Yep. And, you know, we had always thought of Ryan Tannehill as this, well, he's right up there with Kirk Cousins in the, in the top of the quarterbacks you have to manage, but they're really good. Yeah. And while Cousins has exceeded my expectations um, for the most part of the last couple of years, I think with Tannehill, well, there are a couple of things. Derrick Henry injured. Derrick Henry had a high. Derrick Henry being out. Apparently, the trip to fans still here. Uh, that's the obvious thing. The most fascinating stat in that game was not the four interceptions. The most fascinating stat was that Tannehill had six dropbacks in play action. He had 48 without. Yep. All four interceptions were thrown without it. Yep. He needs play action, Derrick Henry or not. I if you are an offensive coordinator at any level of football and you believe that you need a strong run game to, to effectively run play action, you need to go do something else because that's not the way it is. It gives him the openings underneath, the fine reads downfield, especially in the middle of the field. If you're not giving him that, I just, I don't, I haven't read like a Todd Downing transcript where he's explaining why, but historically, especially watch your own offense to know what you're supposed to be doing with this guy. Before we even get into what the Patriots are going to do to him, which, <laughs> yikes, um, I, I just didn't get that. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, a lot of it is Henry, even the play-action passing game, because so much of their play-action passing game with Henry is predicated on showing duo inside zone, stuff inside, throwing the crossers behind it. They seem to have gotten away from that. And so to your point about not being successful running the football, they need to at least get back to those designs because that's where Tannehill is at his best, throwing crossers into that second level of the field between the numbers off of play action, even throwing glance and slant and stuff off of RPO looks. That's where he's at his best. When you're going he was missing those. Yeah. I mean, because he's just wildly off right now. But when you're going drop back RPOs and asking him to push or straight drop back and asking him to push stuff to the boundary, that's not his strength as a quarterback. And so Dowder needs to do some self-scouting right now and realize, okay, well, we've got to condense the field between the hash marks and numbers for him. That's where he's at his best. And we have to figure out the ways that we can get designs called up or he can attack that area of the field off play action, off RPO looks, however you want to do it. But that's what you got to get back to because this idea of turning them into a drop back pass or throwing it 48 times off straight dropbacks and try to push it outside to three by one stuff, that's not Tannehill's game. Over the last three, well, I'm, I'm going to. Sorry, I'm, I know it's annoying when I look stuff up while we're doing the podcast, but this is kind of important. It's a facts-driven show, friends. It's a facts-driven so show, damn it. So Derrick Henry, Henry was out in week eight. Weeks from week nine. Let's go here. The Titans ranks. Okay, so Derrick Henry got injured in week eight. From weeks one through eight, the Titans ranked 17th in play action usage, uh, or 19th in play action usage, 70% of the time. They ranked sixth in positive play rate. Since Derrick Henry got hurt, 
Week nine, they rank, yeah, 16%, and now they're, they're second in positive. So the play-action usage has gone down. The positive play rate has gone up in play-action since Derrick Henry got hurt, and they're just not using it. I don't, I don't understand. Weird. I don't understand. But, I mean, that gets you to the idea <laughs> that you don't have to have a – you don't have to have – a successful running game to be successful on play action. All you need is a Huckleberry. Yeah. That's pretty much all you need. And when we get to the, when we get to the Seahawks, we'll talk about Jordan Brooks. Oh boy. Anyway. Uh, so what will the Patriots, you did the three hour Epic thing with coach Vass on a new defense, which is so good. And I did a thing on just, you know, Belichick talking five minutes on Devin McCourty's interception one of four that the Falcons quarterbacks, Falcons three quarterbacks through all in the fourth quarter. Um, if you're Todd Downing, I mean, we can talk about Newman's defense. We can do a whole podcast on that. But before we get into that, if you're Todd Downing, how do you even manage this? It's going to be a struggle. I mean, you know, you're going to get, although look, Bill and Steve have told us that you know, their zone versus man rates are going to be scheme and weak dependent. They're but almost I, even and they're dominant in both, which is really unusual. Well, what's interesting though, you look at and, and filter them, defined zone as cover two, three, four, six, and red two. They have been heavy in zone the past couple of weeks, as opposed to man, which I've defined as zero one and man cover two, because I still think man two it plays out like man. Right. But against Atlanta, for example, they had just six man covered snaps as opposed to 25 zone covered snaps 23 zone against the Browns 23 zone against the Panthers 29 zone against the Chargers they haven't been double digit man snaps since week seven against the Jets like they've been very zone heavy because they can do stuff up front where they don't have to bring pressure because you've got Judon, you've got Barmore, you've got Hightower and Van Noy and Guy and Wise. They they can get pressure with guys up front. They don't have to blitz as much. Now, they will still blitz you when they want to. They will do that rain read where you mug the A-gaps and whichever way the center opens, that guy drops, the other guy goes. And, they're so and, good at that. Yeah, I mean, they're so good at that. And when Vass was breaking down how – both Bentley and Hightower are so aggressive and pop so late, but can still get under that crosser. It's, it's really effective. Um, I don't know how you handle that. If you're, if you're taught down in Tennessee, I'll tell you one way to handle it. Use play action Patriots defense against play action this year. They have allowed 40 completions on 71 attempts for 451 yards, six touchdowns and two interceptions. Yeah, I mean that may go. be the only area in which Newman's defense is vulnerable this season. So if yeah. you run that play action rate that you did last week, this week, you're just asking for trouble. And Vrabel obviously knows this. Vrabel, yeah. you know, clearly. Yeah. Um, speaking of blitz, the Titans don't blitz a lot. Uh, Matt Ryan leads the league in interceptions against blitz. Mac Jones is second with five. Is this where Jones' lack of second reaction ability shows up? Because it hasn't shown up anywhere else, but is the blitz where that becomes a thing? I mean, I think what's more important with Jones versus the blitz, and look, that Atlanta the game is a great example, and I talked about this in the Mac Jones video I did, of how defensive coordinators know your protection rules and can then exploit them. Um, 
you know, the, the sack where they had an unblocked safety from the left side of, of Mac Jones, you know, I, I pulled out the example of that Phillips. I, I forget who, who it was that got that sack. Um, anyway, sorry, but that I, I pulled out the Patriots protection rules against that mug look where you're going to slide to the overload, but that backside tackle, in this case, Isaiah Wynn makes what they call a squeeze call, which is when you've got that safety walk down at or near the B gap, at or near the line of scrimmage at the snap, that squeeze call means you block inside out. You block inside threat to outside threat. And what they did, what Dean Pease did was he knew they were going to slide away and Wynn would be making that squeeze call. He had the end come upfield inside first with the safety on the outside, and then you loop the safety back to the inside. So when Wynn engages the, the edge, you've now got a clear shot at it. And so that's an example of Dean Pease being really smart about your protection rules and breaking them. But Jones could have gotten out of that if he had done one or two things. One, if he had looked at because he didn't look at it. He just assumed, and this is a, a cardinal sin of quarterback play, if you assume you're dead. you know He assumed that that squeeze call was going to take care of the inside threat, and he'd have time to make a throw because the outside guy is going to get turned loose, but you have more time. He's got longer to co- cover distance-wise. He assumed. He, didn't, he never looked to peak it. He never looked to check, okay, is that going to hold up or not? That's one area where I think Jones can get better. Some of the other blitzes that they saw and got him on, he never really confirmed right at the snap. And I know it's hard. You've got to confirm two-thirds at the snap, coverage and protection. He's more focused on confirming coverage right now than protection. But to his credit, you look at the third and five conversion where that ridiculous blitz that Pease drew up where you have Deron Harmon 20 yards deep pre-snap and then he's just on a dead sprint mm-hmm. right through the a gap and they pop people out in the, the c parts for him and jones has nothing to do but he backpedals drifts and then makes a throw falling away to move the chains i mean it wasn't the prettiest throw but it was effective you know that's what he showed at alabama that ability to understand protection rules when he could see it mm-hmm. and get ahead of it so that's what he needs to do. I mean, he's never going to be like a Justin Fields secondary reaction type of player. Like, I just, I don't think that's where he's going to get. But he showed enough at Alabama where if he can see it and conceptualize, this is the blitz that's coming and this is why we can't get it blocked up. So I got to get ahead of it somehow. That's where he's going to have to be effective. So these blitzes where he's gotten sacked, it's a more of a, he's going to make sure he knows that it's coming. If he can see it, he can get ahead of it. But when he's not seeing it, that's when he gets into trouble. And that's not to align him. I mean, no, I mean, look, like I said, playing quarterback is so, I mean, a prime example of it. I had a long discussion with, with John Ledyard who covers Tampa Bay uh, Wednesday night, because you probably have seen the clip from NFL films. Brady was mic'd up against the Giants and he carries out a run fake with Lenny Fournette and he says, cover two. And this is something that Brady's done before. There was one with James White from a couple of years ago where he's carried out the fake. He says, check down. You know, and then he throws him the check down because Brady will see the rotation of the safeties of the snap and say, oh, well, this is covered two. This is what the running back has to do. So I'm going to remind him as he goes by me. Well, Tay Crowder, the Giants linebacker, was on the field that play. said, well, we get the coverage <laughs> because it was really looked more like cover four. Mm-hmm. Now, difference between cover two, cover four, what the running back is going to do, you know. It doesn't, it's probably going to be the same thing, middle field open, middle field closed. But that tells you how kind of hard it is just to see the safety rotation at the snap. And from Bray's perspective, you see the two eye safeties, you, you know, you're thinking two, four family, you tell them cover two, whatever. But that's one thing that you're trying to do with the snap is figure that stuff out. And if you're trying to do that, 
and the backside blitz package. Like it's a lot for quarterbacks. That's, that's why I keep saying quarterback is hard to do kids. It's a hard position to play. Yeah. And also I just realized that I tried to put Adrian Phillips in the Falcons defense and I'm blaming the Turkey. Yeah. I mean, look, it, it's black Friday for everybody. Kids certainly for my brain. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what the Titans do here. I, I think their def- I think their offense is broken. Um, yeah. The weird thing is though, Patriots look really good right now. Titans look bad the way this season is playing though. Titans will somehow pull this out. And we'll be back wondering, okay, well, who's good in the AFC? Well, play action. Yeah. Um, I, I would be, now I want to go back before Sunday and look at why the Patriots are vulnerable against play action. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm always wondering if it's just like a Are you like your guy, Juwan Bentley, who's really the – he's the run force guy. He's just a, the badass forward dude. Are you throwing behind him when he's fighting? See, no, because he's – and Vass and I showed it Thursday night or Tuesday night when we talked about the Thursday night game. There was a play-action play where he's going to make that robot technique, which is to get dropped. Get oh, back, yeah, yeah, he just hauled ass and, 20 yards down. And he took yeah. away – that crosser, which that's is right. right where Ryan wanted to go. And so yes. that's so a not, club that Bentley did, yeah, Bentley did not have that club in the bag, say, last year. Or just, was, I mean, I just gave you that stat, so there's no time. Any thoughts, as much as you watch the Patriots, any thoughts on why that is? I, I mean, I wonder if part of it was game script. Part of it was like, you know, they're up. They're giving stuff up. They're, they're giving you short throws, and teams are still running play action. I mean, I – I'll say it this way. In studying their defense over the course of the season, I haven't seen anything that has like alarmed me about, oh man, they, they keep getting hit with this concept or this play action design. I mean, I know Miami did some RPO stuff against them, which might get folded into that. They gave them a little bit of trouble, you know, and Tennessee has certainly done some of that. I don't know if it's game script because three of those six touchdowns against play action came in allowed against play action came in the first quarter this year. No, so it's not game script. That's interesting. Um, can I there might be something there. I mean, maybe yeah. I missed it. I don't want to spend 20 minutes looking stuff up on SIS while we're doing the podcast, but I'll put a pin in that for later because right. I wanted to make it partially listenable when I'm not putting the wrong safety on the wrong team. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and just one last thing. Yes. Bill Belichick is addressing the media right now, and he is glowing. He is glowing, and he's saying he's five pounds heavier from yesterday because he got starched up. Not starched up. Tennessee should be terrified right now. When Bill Belichick is glowing, I still remember the the photo that he and I think it was Shane Vereen took. It was either Vereen. Yeah, it was Vereen before the Atlanta Super Bowl, the Saturday before, and Belichick was just glowing. And even though, look, even though the Patriots had to come back to win, I knew right there they were going to find a way to win that game. Because when Belichick's glowing like this, it's scary. Yeah. Well, I, I think everyone should be terrified of this team right now, too. Just yeah. In general. Um, yeah. It's it's what we expect. Start up or not. Uh, yeah. I certainly got start up. Eagles at Giants. I think, as I said before, I think the 2021 Eagles are a great example of the idea that when you completely redo your coaching staff in the offseason, you have to wait for things to take effect before you get angry. Yep. Um, we've talked a lot about their offense, their defense. And Greg Cosell made this point on his uh, – he does his tape notes on fantasypoints.com, which is, you know, it's Greg Cosell making tape notes. Of course, it's awesome. And he made the point that not only is, is Philly doing – you know, different spins of stuff in man and zone, they're playing combo a lot where it's man to one side, zone to the other. And 
that's working. And then Darius Slay, um, he, he's playing as well in any quarterback league right now. He had that pick six against the Saints, vintage him. Deontay yeah. Harris tried to run that comeback to the right boundary. Slay looked like he was playing it off. Simeon threw it a hair late, and Slay was just like, do, 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 jump. It's a yeah. Samuel time. And so the defense is interesting. The offense, I mean, I know RPO run, you know, they've got all this stuff. What I've seen of Jalen Hurts in the last two to three weeks is a guy who is not going to leave the pocket at the first sign of trouble. And that to yeah. me has made all the difference in making that offense. Because, hey, I love all the, you know, the backside RPO, whatever crap. That, that's great. And it, it sets up things in the passing game. But if your quarterback is running around like Bobby Brady, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. And his, they've, they've clearly worked with him. He's bought in. Paul Domowicz of the 33rd team in Philly Mag is one of the best Philly-based sports writers out there. He wrote a piece years ago that I think saved NFL films because um, the NFL was actually looking at getting rid of it because it wasn't profitable. Uh, he said, more proof of Jalen Hurts' leadership skills. He took every offensive player to lunch and or dinner one-on-one to get to know them better. Not even about football, said Brian Baldinger, who we know and love, who they are, their background, their life experiences. There's a lot of quarterbacks who have no ability to do that. So on and off the field, he's getting buy-in. More and more, I'm looking at Hurts like, okay, with all those draft picks, you, you got you got the most important position. You're, you're, you're good there. It does seem like it's trending in that direction. And the weird thing about the leadership part from Hertz, which again, quarterback is a leadership position. You don't it have to be a leadership position. Oh my you God. don't have to be like a rah-rah in your face screaming type, but you have to get the buy-in from the other 10 guys in the huddle. You have to get those 10 sets of eyes looking at you, not at their cleats when you walk into the huddle. It's it's a very lonely place if they're looking at their cleats. Trust me, I know. When you see Hertz transfer from Alabama to Oklahoma and get the C right away. Mm-hmm. Like, like this, this is something that I talked about. Like when you see like his first game in Oklahoma, they win and he's in the weight room after the game lifting. Like, I know it's dumb, gritty football, like gym rat type stuff, but it's an emotional game. Leadership matters at the quarterback position. He's getting that buy-in. And I think the point about hurts in the pocket, you can still see him fighting it in his mind but he's winning those battles. Yes. The third down crosser three by one to mm-hmm. Goddard against Dallas from two weeks, um, Denver, excuse me, from two weeks ago, where he pulls the ball down and starts and then pulls it back up and throws. Then there was one, they had a number of 36 conversions in this game, which I thought were impressive. Some of those were like time and rhythm placement throws for him, which was good. The third and two where that long cross and route from Smith, like the initial decision was bad. It's third and two. You get the vertical releases from two and three of the trips. Throw the slant route under him to that first window. It's third and two. Get the ball out. Like, he does it. Okay, fine. Jalen Hurts four weeks ago then pulls it and runs. Mm-hmm. And maybe he gets the first down, maybe not. But Jalen Hurts now, okay, I made the initial mistake. It was bad. Pocket's starting to break down a little bit. I'm going to pull it down. No, wait, no. I'm going to reset myself. Now he's into that secondary window. He's cleared the whole defender. Now I'll make that throw. That's huge for his development. And so that plus, look, the run game stuff they're doing with them, mm-hmm. the run game stuff they're doing generally, they're doing a lot of center. I mean, excuse me, shotgun run stuff, the, the GT counter stuff that they're doing, the pin and pull stuff that they're doing, the, the play that Orlovsky and Baldinger are both highlighted with Kelsey, just like spearing people at two and three levels downfield. The Billy Bob double block. 
Yeah. I mean, look, Sirianni talking about varsity blues. We love it. They're a tough team to defend right now. Yes. And I know that, and I know Greg talked about this with Adam Kaplan, right? At some point, there may be a game where Hertz has to win it, throwing from the pocket rather than running from the pocket. That's where all of these little incremental improvements he's made week in and week out and stacking those together will pay off. That but is not this game, by the way. <laughs> that is not this. And is this not. is the other thing about the Eagles right now, which is why there's concern in Dallas and among Cowboys Twitter beyond, of course, the, the officiating from Thursday's game. The Eagles get the Giants twice, the Washington football team twice. They get the Jets. They have a bye, and they get Dallas in week 18. Now, I remember last week I was saying, well, Dallas might already be, be locked into like the two or the three or maybe even the one, and that game won't mean anything. And McCarthy rests his guys. That game right now, it could be for the division at this point. Could be Mike McCarthy coaching for his job, and if I'm the opposing coach, I'm looking my chops at that whole concept. Yeah, I mean, and, and but with this schedule, it really sets up well for Philly to make this nice run. And you, you think about, okay, well, a game where Hurts might have to win it, throw it from the pocket. I don't see that game on paper until week 18. Now, maybe Washington, maybe, um, but this sets up nicely for Philly. They have won. Yeah, three, they were two and five in week seven. Yeah. And the other thing to remember is, and this is to Sirianni, from weeks one through seven, they were 10th in the league on early down pass rate, throwing on first and second down. They were throwing it more than 60% of the times on those situations. Since then, dead last. They're mm. throwing it 30% of the time on early down situations. The run game and uh, on the defensive side of the ball, Gannon, he's still not blitzing a ton, but they, they blitzed Simeon eight times, one for eight for 16 yards. And he threw three passes by my charter that could have been picked off. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Hats off to them, man. They, they, they've, They've turned it around. They're together, they they have defined, and it's you know every kind of run concept you can imagine, which is oh yeah, awesome. Yeah. Um. So Jason Garrett out, Freddie Kitchens in, and you know he became Freddie became a meme uh, when he was the Browns head coach, and when he was the Browns offensive coordinator, of course uh, the the you know they fired Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley, made Greg Williams the interim head coach. Yes, this actually all happened in like one day. Yeah, um, a lot of interesting names there. So Freddie, who had been like an offensive coordinator at Raccoon State Teachers College, all of a sudden he was a Browns running back coach, and now he's the guy. Um, and there has been some contention as to whether it was Kitchens or Bob Wiley who was in charge of the uptick in offense. I, I think Freddie was in charge of the passing game while he was in charge of the run game, but I don't know. Uh, um, I did do a piece on how much more expansive – because you could argue that, and now this is all Baker Mayfield's rookie season, by the way. Yeah. You could argue that overall, that was Baker's best year so far. Yep. And Baker said Freddie was a big part of it. So, what happens? Whatever the Giants were doing before, here's, and I, you know, I wrote that piece. Uh, mirrored curl flat will actually works because Matt Nagy's not running it. Double right. slants in the red zone right out of the McVeigh playbook. Fade crosser, drag wheel combos, vertical concepts that will full house backfield once you have the defense getting ready for the run. Um, you know, Jones, Daniel Jones has 23 deep attempts this season. To put that in context, this was before Thanksgiving. Derek Carr led the league with 53 deep attempts. And when throwing deep, Jones has completed eight passes for 337 yards, 
four touchdowns, two interceptions. Those four deep touchdowns tied Jones for fourth in the league with a whole bunch of guys with a lot more deep passing attempts. Now, I understand their offensive line is horrid, and Nate Solder had ugly. Um, How do you, when your offensive line is absolute garbage, and the one thing your quarterback does is throw deep, um, offensive coordinator Mark Schofield, how do you get around that? Um, sort of the, the plays in the Yankee concept family, right? The max protection play action concepts where it's really two and three receiver concepts, whether it's true post over Yankee or some of the variations we're seeing where instead of post over, it's more burner, right? Which is the Shanahan term for it, where it's the post route is really a corner and you get the over. So it's a two man flood concept to one side. Um, some of the other variations where instead of post over, it's post curl or post blaze out, um, but that's where you go with it because um, those concepts can work. It gets middle field open, middle field closed covered. So you can ideally high, high low the safety. If they're both in the middle of the field, you get the floods to one side, which high low a corner or safety or whatever. Um, that's how you have to do it. I mean, because you're right. This offensive line is not such that they can just drop back and go four verts out of two by two or three by one or flood or sail or any of these longer developing concepts where you need three seconds of good pass block and they're not going to get it. So you have to go max protection. You have to get the tight ends and the backs involved in the protection schemes. And yeah, you leak the back out late as an outlet, but that's how I would go about it. And for the giants fans that have literally been in my DMS and my mentions asking if I'm going to be the next offensive coordinator. No, that's, that's above my pay grade. I'll do quarterback coach, but, but not offensive coordinator, but yeah, I, I think that's what you call. I mean, you have to go more max protection stuff to protect him because we've been saying it for a long time. This is Jones's strength as a quarterback is attacking downfield is throwing downfield. That's why I'm screaming for Pep Hamilton to be their next OC because of what he did with Herbert last year in that realm. So that's how I do it. That's how I hope Pep Hamilton does it next year. That's what I hope Freddie kitchens does over the, over the stretch here. Yep. Uh, two games are going to whiz by Falcons and Jaguars. I don't know that this means anything, but I found it interesting. There are two teams who have not, and this holds true for the Bills still. Uh, there are two teams that have not a lot of touchdown pass on completions of 20 or more air yards. One is the Bills. The other is the Jaguars. There you go. Jacksonville's doing something right. I'm for serious, man. I'll have to let Steve Shale, the uh, political operative down in Florida, who is a huge member of Jags Twitter, I'll have to let him know that, give him some good news today. There you go. Uh, Jets at Texans, Elijah Moore is legit. I don't really have anything else to say about this except that Robert Sala saying, hey, when you can give a six-round pick away for an unvaccinated quarterback who hasn't been good in like 25 years, you got to do it. These are two professional football contests. Right? <sighs> so Zach is back. Yep. I guess Texans defense that showed Ryan Tannehill a lot of interesting little wrinkles, little subtleties. Fun um, for everybody. I don't know. I just don't know. Uh, Charges at Broncos. If I told you before the season that Justin Herbert would have 30 deep attempts to Teddy Bridgewater's 41, you'd buy that, right? Absolutely not in a million years. <laughs> I mean, I would have said, yeah, I understand why Teddy's throwing deep because we that's how he won the job. You know, we, we talked about that. We both wrote about that, but – Herbert, who, by the way, who, which quarterback in the NFL, by the way, has more deep passing touchdowns with no interceptions than any other quarterback? Oh, man. Um, this is fascinating to think about. Hmm. There are a couple that have two. One has four. I want to say Derek Carr. Justin Herbert. 
Oh, okay. 15 completions and 30 deep attempts for 511 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Wow. Last week against the Steelers and a defense that they had to roll out on the field with like Cam Hayward and the Pips. He had one attempt of 20 or more yards and he completed it for 30. Wow. Um, can we somehow get this into Joe Lombardi's office? Just this part? I mean, just as, a, as, a, as a, uh, an aficionado of good football, I just want to see them figure this out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Justin Herbert, damn, he's special. Wow. He is. He the 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 throw he had on the safety splitter to Keenan Allen against Pittsburgh, where the front foot struck, and he just upper body torques it, and it's just a cannon shot. It's just this is absurd. Like, let him do that. I mean, it, it's like you know when you see somebody driving down the road and they've got like a, a, an Acura NSX, like just ridiculously souped up sports car. And they're not getting it out of first gear. It's just, it's, it's wasted on you. It's just wasted on you. Give it to somebody that can have some fun with it. The Broncos have faced 48 deep passes this year. They've allowed 16 completions, but seven have been touchdowns. Only Washington has allowed more deep touchdowns than Denver with seven. Yeah. Uh, this is also the first time Javante Williams gets to face the Chargers run defense. That, that could be, be fun. Oh, boy. Uh, the Chargers run defense is not only dead last in DVOA, but it's twice as bad per their metric as the 31st ranked team, the Jets. I'm looking up right now where the Chargers are slated to pick in the next draft. And I guess right now it's 21st mm-hmm. because if there's a way they could get Jordan Davis. <laughs> is there any way Davis lasts until 21? They'd have to trade up, wouldn't they? They'd have to trade up, I think. But that gives you your Aaron Donald type guy, because as we've been saying, Braden Staley has found that defending the run with a light box is a little bit tougher without Aaron Donald. Well, and Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. Yeah. But they have good cover guys, but James <laughs> is also, Hey, I'm yeah. a linebacker. I'm going to kill you. Right. <laughs> Ramsey Packers. Uh, I have no footnotes about Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> waka waka. Waka Waka. Packer safety Adrian Emus said this week that Matt Stafford has always been good. He just played for the Lions. Um, That's a good line. Rams had a bye week taste of what the 49ers did to them out of their mouths. McVeigh on Monday running mixing Odell Beckham Jr. into the office offense per Jordan Rodriguez of the Athletic. Jordan's awesome. We know yep. this. Uh, what I didn't want to do was immerse him in some information that you end up adjusting and changing it. I wanted to Foundationally build it the right way, formations, all those kinds of things. Then you'd be specific with the way we implement the game plan. What does that look like? What positions will we play? Is the outside slot, you know, all that. Um, so he was doing some stuff behind the scenes. They really started the install on Monday. McVay said of Beckham, he's a smart, conscientious guy. I think the goal for us is making sure we get a plan and alignment that provides clarity for all our players, in particular Odell just because he is new to the system. And that's important because whenever you add a new element mid-season, you don't really have a lot of time to, to coach it up. Plus, now, this would be completely different if Robert Woods was healthy right. because you don't have that domino effect where now, well, Cooper Cup was their sort of primary intermediate to deep guy this year. Does he have to be Robert Woods, which is more short to intermediate, jet sweep, run block, that sort of thing? Um, and then does Beckham have to come in and become the intermediate deep guy? That takes a while to, to figure all that stuff out. Um, the other question I have, 
I wonder if the Rams have been so empty, so like not play action. I wonder if, because, and Stafford, this is the offense Stafford likes. I, I wonder how much they change just formationally and conceptually to not only make it easier for Odell, but just to have the, the whole offense sort of run the way it needs to run. Ben Solak wrote two weeks ago that they need to make this Goff's offense again. And there's a point there yeah. because it was fun early in the season, three by two, four by one gun, nothing under center, no play action. Just let Stafford rip it. Teams have kind of figured that out. Like they will. teams have kind of figured that out. And so now he has been figured out before he has been. And, and it took a while for him to adjust. It took a while for him to adjust. This is the moment where we're going to see, okay, you've had the bye week, Sean, if they come out against the Packers and you're suddenly seeing, you know, 50, 50 gun versus under center, you see it maybe 10, 12, 15 play action plays sprinkled in. You're seeing some of that jet motion stuff with Odell, maybe not with Odell, but either way, that might be where they go with this. And that might be a sign that McVay did some self scouting because I think Ben's right. I think people are right. This spread three by two, four by one worked for a while. Teams figured it out, get back to a little bit. It doesn't mean that Stafford's a bad quarterback. It's just you have to adjust to the adjustments. What was it? It was uh, Vance Joseph a couple of weeks ago said, look, if, if you're not doing that by three or four weeks and teams will figure you out. So you have to be thinking five, six, seven weeks ahead when they finally adjust to what we're doing and they will both sides of the ball. You've got to then adjust to the adjustments. Yep. Uh, Green Bay's defense playing better. Of late, uh, Green Bay's offensive line, Elton Jenkins is out. Bakhtiari, I believe, is still out. Um, Rogers was amazing last week. Yeah, um, he can be <laughs> the fractured toe. We'll see. How do the Rams cover Devontae Adams? I mean, is it just it's, two up, two up, two up, and you know, yeah, we, I mean, we've talked about Devontae against single high, we're just roast you yeah it's kind of a problem yeah i mean i think you're gonna see some of that i think you'll see some moments where you get jalen ramsey on them i mean they did some of that in the divisional round last year and i I know people will always point out the like motion 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 flat route goal line touchdown where jalen's running back and forth like miss pac-man but that's a tough play for him to cover but i I think you'll see some instances of jalen on you know because if if you're the rams like 17 5 like that's him yeah go get him Vikings at 49ers. 49ers ranked 22nd against the pass in DVOA, and Kirk Cousins is dialing up very nicely. Speaking of Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson is approaching Devontae Adams' territory. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, if you're Kyle Shanahan, you are well aware that your quarterback is going to bring a sport to a gunfight, so that's a thing. Vikings' pass defense is vulnerable. Week to week, it's inconsistent. The run defense is more of a problem. Um, the thing with Everson Griffin is just tragic yes um so i don't want to you know i i always find it difficult to know how to cross off field things like that with well he's also not on the field and this is a thing but i don't want to make it too much of a thing right um i just think this is this is a jimmy garoppolo game we know what that means yeah i mean you just run the ball unless you just run the ball 50 times and keep the, that offense off the field, which is always a fraught strategy. I don't know what else they do. This is a quarterback you have, unless you put in the other quarterback and you know, right. yeah. uh, try some interesting run concepts with Trey Lance that you can't do with Garoppolo and see what happens. 
What yeah, the hell do you have to lose at this point? You got nothing to lose. I think the passing chart's going to look like a like an always bone offense where yeah. like everything's at or near the line of scrimmage and maybe a one or two <laughs> deep shots. Um, so I if, think you're now, if you're running a flex bone offense and you just traded nine first round picks for a flex bone quarterback who is on a roster, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Make a very good point there. Um, I think it's going to be heavy run game, you know. And Shanahan again, we, we talk, we've talked about his run game designs where you're creating extra gaps really effectively, and I think you'll see a lot of that. And it, it's going to be a Garoppolo or dare we say a Mac Jones type of type of game script where we're going to limit what he has to do. If we get into 32 situations, maybe we'll take advantage and throw off a play action, but they'll try to win it with the run game. And whoever is responsible for Debo Samuel, your, your days. Good luck. Suck. It's going to be a fun day. Day is going to suck. Uh, Browns at Ravens. Kareem Hunt could be back, which would give the offense uh, Hunt and Nick Chubb on the field for the same time, for the same time for the first time since week five. Uh, Baker Mayfield. He's got injuries all over. He's talked about, so he's got the, the non-throwing shoulder thing. He's got the heel and the injuries. Uh, he was asked this week if the lower body injuries have been more difficult to play with in the shoulder and if the injuries have resulted in the need to make adjustments with mechanics. He said, yeah, especially for me, kind of an unorthodox throwing motion when it comes to my lower body and just how violent the motion is. Your lower body is so important to your throwing motion, regardless, so it has been definitely an issue to overcome. The shoulder stuff is kind of the new normal. I'm not really worried about that. I still try and protect as much as I can. Like I told you guys, they're replaced me with my feet. And that is where I have been kind of frustrated with that. Um, he threw two picks against the Lions in an unwatchable 13 yep. slog of a win. Um, I think there are mechanical issues he's dealing with that have a lot to do with health. There are yep. communication issues with his receivers, and that's been going on all year. Um, yep. It was epic with Odell. First pick was a drop based off the mistiming, mistiming of a route. Um, the second one, I have no idea what he was throwing. Uh, I, I don't know if the tight end sort of, you know, did a stop when you're supposed to do an, an in or what, but that was one of those plays where he's throwing to three defenders and you're like, okay, somebody screwed up. Um, you know, the whole thing, bench Baker Mayfield. I mean, the other problem is, you have no real deep threats. You have no receivers who force you to move your strength in one direction or another. Um, I think to a great extent, this is an offense that is disappearing, disappearing up its own ass with a quarterback who is physically incapable of running it the way it needs to be run. I think that's where they are. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you summed it up perfectly. I mean, Baker, like you said, he's always been a torquey, violent thrower, but there are some mechanical things because of lower body injuries and upper body injuries that aren't helping him right now. But his case Keenum, that much of an upgrade over Baker, even at low Baker's band up. I don't think so. I mean, I, I think this is, you dance with the guy that got you to this point, And I think that's what they'll have to do. The bigger decision is ultimately the Baker extension. And Baker, I think is one of a handful of quarterbacks that absent in Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, back up the Brinks truck situation is going to benefit from the uncertainty about this next quarterback class. Um, but you know, as far as this, this, this offense right now, it's 80% chance of rain. And in the fifties is the forecast for this area of the country over the weekend. So that's kind of the forecast for the offense. Too. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. I, yeah. I mean, I, I Baker might throw it 13 times. Uh, I shouldn't know the deep threat because we're playing the Ravens. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Seahawks at Washington. Taylor Heineke leads the league in both deep touchdowns, seven, and deep interceptions, five. The football team have allowed eight touchdowns and have no interceptions, deep, deep passes. So I would expect the Seahawks to run the ball 45 times and throw three screens. Jordan Hicks on the Seahawks, Cardinals linebacker after that game. We knew, uh, I'm going to get on a roll here. We okay. knew what they were going to do going into it and how they were going to attack us. We did a good job of switching up the looks and making good calls down there. Vance Joseph, defensive coordinator, did a great job of switching it up on them. We played our rules, and it's always a bend but don't break type of mentality. As long as we have a blade of grass to defend, we're going to do it. Vance Joseph this week uh, said he threw different looks at the Seahawks, and the Seahawks never really adapted to them. You remember the Russell Wilson interception last year? You wrote about this. Oh, yeah, where he got baited, the 0-4-6 that, that they were doing. Yeah. Seahawks never adjusted. Yeah. Pete Carroll's response this week, the Seahawks are going to simplify their offense. I didn't think that was possible. We have trimmed some of the things a little bit in the last couple of weeks. We're hoping that we'll reap the benefits of that. Don't like the sound of that, Doug. Here's what, with Seattle, you've got five drafts in a row that are just utter horse crap. Just like with the Raiders, you can't expect to improve. Eventually, right. it's going to bite you in the ass. Um, you have coaches who just will not adjust. Um, that Cardinals game, I mean, Jordan Brooks, one of their you know first-round picks in that stretch was, I mean, Colt McCoy was like, yeah, where is he? Where is he? Here we go. Right. Bobby Wagner and uh, Quandary Diggs, who are like the only two good players on defense right now, are you know trying to stop the Atlantic Ocean with thimbles. Um, Seattle's terrible against screens. Washington is the best team in the NFL with screens. I think the larger issue, and I've been dancing around this for the last few weeks, is a time to move on from Pete Carroll. Yeah. Um, and as I've said, also, I've covered this team since 2010. The first, you know, I'm in Seattle. That was my first credential year. Uh, I did beat for a while before I did the national thing. So I saw the whole thing get built. They don't have answers right now. And I don't care if you're Vince Lombardi combined with Bill Walsh combined with Bill Belichick. If you don't have answers, you look at the Patriots last year, they lost the best quarterback of all time. They brought in a quarterback. They didn't really want. You, yep. can, tell, you can tell that now. Yeah. Um, not anything they said or didn't say, but as our buddy uh, affirmation, Greg Cosell says, don't look at what coaches say, look at how they deploy their personnel. Yeah. The entire defense pretty much opted out, and then the ones that didn't got hurt. And Belichick knew it was a waste year, but he came back the next year and it's like, okay, I got this. Yep. The Seahawks do not got this. Um, so I'm starting to wonder if it's time to, with all due respect, and he's earned a lot of it, if it's time to do that. I think so. I mean, even the best coaches lose their. Because here's the thing: if you give up three first, if you get three first round picks for Russell Wilson, and you have those guys buying the groceries, you yeah, have you, wasted. You're going to get Jordan Brooks in the first round. You're going to you given up a Hall of Fame quarterback for nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think changes are in order, and. And remember, see, this was the same organization that before the, you know, John Schneider being a Wisconsin guy and, hey, that, that shirt guy is pretty good. 
Uh, they wanted, they thought Charlie Whitehurst was the truth. They gave Matt Flynn $30 million. So it's not like their quarterback decision-making is above reproach. Right. I mean, it's, it's almost similar to the Brady thing, right? It's like, wow, they found Brady in the first round. Well, yeah. I mean, the sixth round. Well, yeah, they passed on him six times. Like he kind of got lucky there. Um, and this team, this franchise became the model that everybody wanted to replicate. You get, the rookie quarterback, you build around him, and then you build up the rookie quarterback to the point where when he gets the big deal, you can elevate everybody around him. But similar to the Brady situation in New England, sometimes the quarterback can mask all the bad mistakes, but if there's just a cavalcade of bad mistakes around him, he can't mask everything. And that's what we're seeing right now. They have always been defined about we have our own board. We do things our way. And yeah. that's fine when they work. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, it's going to be a very interesting off season for that team because they're three and seven and yep. ain't, ain't no run coming. No, no. Um, when you get just body snatched by Colt McCoy. <laughs> yeah, that's a, okay. That was embarrassment. So yep. yeah, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't say I, I, it, it's an exaggeration to say I never thought I'd be here, but if you had told me in 2013, 2014 that we'd be here, it comes at you fast, football comes at you faster, I guess. Yeah. Uh, anything else, Dr. Schofield? Um, no, nothing else. We got we got Sam Howell tonight. Yes. On Friday night. Um, you did a piece. I will say, Recency bias plays a role in the evaluation process because we were all fired up for Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler, both of whom looked very shaky back in week one. Howell threw three picks, and I was like, I was telling people, I, I, I am out, friends. He's been quietly putting it together a pretty good season, like since then. Um, he's gotten really good at running the football. Like I was joking, some people, he might be fullback one in the draft because he's gotten very physical, but. He's, he's looked a little bit better. Now, I don't know what he decides to do in this quarterback class. Maybe he decides to come out. Maybe he decides to go back. I mean, he's got another year of eligibility. But be interested to see how he plays tonight. There are some things that I think he does well, particularly like little things in the pocket that I didn't think I'd see from him. So maybe there's something still here. We'll see. We'll see. Good stuff, man. Uh, happy week 12, everyone. Good Lord. Um, wow. It is, it is rolling. And – you can turn the holiday lights on now, friends. Yep. The rule the rule in my house is I put the lights up before Thanksgiving, but I don't turn them on until Thanksgiving night. I took advantage. We had a 70-degree day in the D.C. area last week, so wow. I took advantage. I got out of the roof, you know, pants and a T-shirt. Oh. It was nice. Now the lights are on. Are Happy you competitive holidays, with that? Like, do you have people on your block who are just competitive weirdos? I'll tell you a quick story. When we bought the house we moved into um, – Apparently, this was a destination during the holiday season because my wife called the school where the kids would be enrolled and said, yeah, we just moved into the area. How do we get signed up? We gave the address and they were like the blue house because our form, the man that owned this house, the family that owned this house, they covered this entire property everywhere with blue lights. It was like, I will be, we have a pretty big backyard. You've seen some pictures. Of it. I know I've showed you some stuff and be cutting down trees and stuff deep in the back. I will step on a blue bulb. Like by the back fence line, they covered everything. And so the first year, let's get here. Right. So the first year we have two little evergreens 
right at the end of the driveway. I did those in blue and the rest in white. But like people will come by and be like, you're putting up the lights this year. You're putting up the lights this year. And yeah, so it's it's nothing like that. But we do so have you're a like Cam Newton after Tom Brady, basically. Basically. Yeah. I mean, people come down. They're like, you can almost see disappointment in their Disappointed. eyes. Yeah. Yeah. But we do have a nice little addition this year. And I, I can send you a picture of it. A cutout of the Grinch. And what you do is it looks like he's holding something and you string lights to his hands. So it looks like he's pulling the lights down. So that's on one side of the driveway. And the other side of the driveway, we have the abominable snowman and Rudolph from the Rudolph special. And we have a little small little tree. So it looks like the abominable was putting a, a star on that. So that's a nice little thing that the kids love. But yeah, the lights are on now. Um, it is a little competitive around the corner. There's a guy that he's retired now, but he used to do all the lighting at the Verizon Center for Caps games, oh Wizards games, um, concerts. He was probably there when I saw Roger Waters do the wall. Like, so he's a so, wizard with free time. Yes. And so, and they decorate for every holiday, like Thanksgiving, Halloween, Flag Day, like everything. But they will do like lights and they are like pristine. It's just, it's professional. It's literally professionally done. So I can't compete with that guy. Our little cul-de-sac, I do a pretty good job, relatively speaking, but it gets a little competitive around here. I won't lie. Well, you know, just know where you are. Know your assets, know your liabilities. I am the light display guy you win with, not win because of. Okay. But you're not the guy you to drag. I'm not the Justin Herbert or the Patrick Mahomes. I'm the Jimmy Garoppolo or or Mac Jones of light displays. That's fine. What's wrong with that? Know know your value. Don't be the Zach Wilson though, because that I don't because that because that will that would look like I will look I would it would look like me falling off of the roof of over the garage and as somebody that is literally terrified of heights that has to like inch over like sitting on his butt on the roof to like get to the edge to put the strain up. I'm already terrified as it is. So yeah. That may help you in the end. It might help me in the end. I, I didn't want to send you a DM one day, Doug, I'm at the hospital. I broke my elbow falling off the roof. I'm on the shelf for the playoff run. Let's try to avoid that. Yeah. We don't need that. Yeah. Like when I got sick last year on the day of the conference championships, <laughs> the, the panic in the DM that I got from oh. Neil. Um, we're going to need you to run the show today, Mark. I mean, yeah. Suffice to say, if I'm not able to write on that day, it was bad. Oh, man. But we forged on. Yeah. Body team here at TD Wire, though. So Indeed. Thankful for that. Hope everyone out there had a great Thanksgiving. Thanks for reading and listening, as always. Uh, Mark, thank you as well. And we will see you next week. Bye, everybody.